You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Dear Culture here on the Griot Black Podcast Network. I'm your host, Panama Jackson, and it's 2023. New year, new you, new me, who knows? We got a little bit different background for you to check out over here, so, you know, no more kids scribbles on the wall. If you're watching this on video, which I hope you are, which I'm hoping you're checking out through the Griot's app. So today here on Dear Culture, we're going to talk about something that everybody that I know personally in the black community has been talking about. One of the most important, significant things to happen to the black community since, well, since the last big thing that happened to the black community. In December, we finally got the updated, the best man, the final chapters, which is a rehash, a review of one of the favorite movie series of most people I know, The Best Man and The Best Man Holiday. The Best Man, obviously, is the film starring Tay Diggs, Morris Chestnut, Nia Long, Harold Perrineau, Terrence Howard, Sanaa Lathan, that comes out in 1999, Regina Hall. And in 2013, we got The Best Man Holiday, which included, unfortunately, the passing of Monica Calhoun's character, Mia, who was married to Morris Chestnut's character, Lance. Oh, no, she can't go. She can't go. She can't go. And if you're like me, and my guess is you are if you like black movies, you watch these movies and you always want to know what happens after the fact. You always want to know, you know, did they make it? Did the marriage last? Are they happy? Well, Malcolm Lee decided, hey, I want to let everybody know what happens to everybody else in this series. And he brought that to us in The Best Man in the Final Chapters. Life doesn't always go the way we expect. But if we're lucky, we end up where we're supposed to. It aired on Peacock TV, uh, eight episodes. Everybody that I know was talking about it, but not all for good reasons. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. I'm one of them people that loved it. I was going to love it regardless. There's nothing, there's no way that I wasn't going to enjoy this because The Best Man is one of my favorite movies of all time, right? And since I love that so much, I can't wait to see, or I couldn't wait to see what was going to happen with these characters and how they rehashed it as they've grown up into like real adults. And as I am a real adult now, and I've effectively grown up with these people in a parallel universe, of course. It's kind of fun and interesting to see how their lives have played out since then. So recently on the Griot's website, I wrote an article titled 10 Thoughts About One of My Favorite Follow-Ups Ever, The Best Man, The Final Chapters. So instead of just letting it live as, a, as an editorial and op-ed piece online, I'm also going to talk about it here because, well, this lets me get my thoughts off a little bit, a little bit better. So I hope you've seen it. If you're watching this far, I'm guessing you have watched it because if not, all the spoilers, fam. Spoiler alert central is where we're about to be living. So we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're talking the best man, the final chapters here on Dear Culture. So just keep in mind all the spoilers, spoiler alerts, uh, whatever you need to know. You know, when you're on like Facebook or one of them things that people like put a bunch of like ellipses, but going vertically to let you know that it's about to be all the spoilers. That's what this is about to be. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So let's start at the top. I did not realize how much I loved these characters. Like, the more I watched the, the series as I've got through, like, episode one, then two, then three, then four, I started to get 
like sad that it was going to end pretty soon. I'm like, I want to live with these people forever. Like I want to continue to know who they are and what they're doing. And that just lets me know that when the best man was created, it was a genuine classic uh, film. Like the, the characters are the kind that we want to know about Harper Stewart, the, the writer and the author, uh, Lance Sullivan, who is the, the NFL player, the, the star running back for the New York Giants who sets all kind of records by the time this series is over, right? You got Merch, who is, interestingly, in the earlier films is more of a foil, like kind of a, a foil for, for Harper and Lance, but becomes central to the story in the, the final chapters. And of course, we got Quentin Spivey, the heir apparent to the Spivey empire of hotels and real estate and all this other stuff. You know, brother got to keep some mysteries. <laughs> no. Who was kind of the like the insightful, cool, swagged out dude. But we get to by the time we get to the final chapters, it turns out like he's one of my favorite characters, period. He has a heart. He's genuine. He's insightful. He's the one that everybody can go to for advice and info. But he also genuinely cares. He's emotional, like, who knew? And on the flip side, Shelby, who is played by Melissa D'Souza, a person that I hated in the first two movies, in The Best Man and The Best Man Holiday. Man, I love her. Her and Quentin end up married, and I'm like, wow, I really want them to make it in life. They're probably going to be the, of the, of the, of the four main dudes in it, Quentin and Merch are the marriages that are going to go the distance. They're the ones that are going to make it, obviously. Um, so... Jordan, Nia Long's character, Jordan Armstrong. I mean, I was so, I'm so happy that she's so successful. Like, I want her to win, right? And, you know, Candace is married to Merchant. That's cool. I like their marriage. Sanaa Lathan plays Robin, who is married to Harper. We're going to get to her more later because I don't really care that much about Robin's character. Like, and I realized that the more that I watched, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy she's here for story purposes, but at the end, but at the same time, I'm kind of good on whether or not she's there or not. Um, so, yeah, it's just I really like these characters and I love these folks. And I don't think I realized it until I started watching and I started getting genuine like feelings like, man, I I want my guy Lance to be all right. You know what I'm saying? I want Q to be good. I'm, I'm, I'm invested in their stories. I alluded to this. Quentin and Shelby becoming my favorite couple was not on my bingo card. Like I just I did not see that. I didn't expect it. There was, there's no universe where if you would have told me back in 1999 that Quentin and Shelby would have ended up married, that number one, I would have been cool with that, or two, that I would have thought that it would work. In fact, if you would have told me Shelby got hit by a bus at some point between then and now and was no longer a part of the show, I'd have been perfectly fine with that. Completely fine with that. I wouldn't have been upset at all. And now I'm like, yo, she's so essential to the story that if they decided to do more chapters i mean this is the final chapter so i don't know what the the prologue or the, the epilogue excuse me that i would want a quentin shelby spinoff of everybody else those are the people that i want to see spun off and then everybody else can kind of show up as need be to be part of the story spare me the revisionist history quentin okay the only thing you ever wanted out of this is sex oh because that's all you ever offered me the rest you kept hidden behind some wall that you think keeps everybody out I have to protect myself. Didn't see that coming. Completely un unprepared for that. But as it turns out, I really loved and cared about them. When Quentin was about to get married to Nicole Ari Parker's character, uh, Zia Shiamora Ziamora, uh, the unicorn, as they called her, 
and he like went after Shelby, I was actually happy about that. I was like, man, I did not see this coming. So we're going to take a real quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about more uh, thoughts, concerns, thoughts, prayers, concerns, whatever, what have you, about the best man holiday, the final chapter. Here on Dear Culture. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the black perspective. Ready for real talk and black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot Mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. We're back here on Dear Culture talking to Best Man, the final chapters, the series that drops in December on Peacock that had my timeline all over the place, had it going up. Everybody that I know wanted to talk about it. If you're one of the people that hadn't watched it yet, you were annoying in the group because now we had to kick you out, start a brand new friend group or a group chat just so we could talk about these things. That's how important this series was for us. So I talked previously just about the things that I loved, how I loved the characters, how I loved Quentin and Shelby, how I was glad to see everybody back. But let's talk about a couple things that I didn't necessarily love. Let's briefly go over some of these things. Now, there's a big difference between making a film, like an hour and a half film, and then doing an eight-hour or roughly eight-hour miniseries about characters that you typically shoehorn into an hour and a half. What that means is you got to give everybody some room to move. You got to give everybody storylines that might otherwise be a little bit longer or let like you find out maybe I don't care as much about that character's story as I do that they're there. I want them to be present. But the storyline eh. such is the case with a couple people that were in here. So there's a storyline that has Merch becoming an MMA fighter. Now, this happens because Merch feels uh, disrespected and his manhood being questioned and he needs an outlet to get his frustrations out and he somehow ends up I can't remember exactly how he got there I think he saw something on TV for like an MMA thing anyway he signs up at his gym to start going to practice MMA MMA fighting or just to to spar and the trainer thinks that he could be a fighter and next thing you know Merch is out here whipping people's asses excuse my French because he's just that good at he's that much of a fighter, right? Which was cool, but it was just like eh, I, I didn't I don't know I didn't need it. You know what I'm saying? These different things happen to merch to kind of continue his frustration. He gets into an argument with a white woman who over a cab, and then he sees her out in public eventually, and he's so frustrated and annoyed because he sees how no interaction with her if he calls her out on anything is going to end positively, right? So there's all this black frustration that he has, and I get it. It just seemed like. I don't know. It didn't seem necessary. I didn't love that part. This is going to be a little bit controversial, perhaps. I didn't love the LJ, which is Lance Sullivan Jr. storyline of coming out to Lance. So Quentin and Jordan are the godchildren to Lance's kids. All right. So Mia passes and they've stepped in. Jordan apparently has stepped in heavily to help Lance raised the kids. You know, my godson has only been here a week and he's killing it. Of course he is. He's my son, what'd you think? <laughs> and the oldest, LJ, Lance Jr., apparently is, he's non-binary, 
which leads to a very funny scene where Quentin has to, where Q starts calling people non-binding. Like, he's trying to understand what's going on here. Like, not that he cares. He's just trying to understand what it means. And this sets up, obviously, a situation with Lance, who is less uh, tolerant, less welcoming of, or less invested or interested in who LJ is in those terms he views lj a certain way thinks lj's just going through a phase this is a phase he needs to get back to football he needs he's going to find his way back to who lj's going to find their way back to who they really are that's not what happens it sets up this whole thing where lj goes missing lance has to go find lj and then eventually there's a reconciliation and even so much of a a public acknowledgement on the part of Lance about who LJ is, which was which was tough, which was touching. That was really dope. Like I thought that was great, but I just felt like it was a storyline that just if we don't have that storyline, I don't know if the I don't know if the 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 series loses anything. Um, there was a sexual assault on the part of by Candace. Candace's graduate advisor for her PhD sexually assaults her while they're working on an article that she's trying to get published uh, by her, her advisor, Dr. Temple. And it was so, it didn't seem like, I, I kind of thought that that might've happened, but they, it never happened until like the last moment Then it happens. And I was upset for Candace, but I was also like, this didn't need to happen. It does set up, in the the closing credits where you find out that Candace who has written this letter she writes once her once her advisor is going to receive an honorary doctorate from some school she gets pissed and she writes this letter that outs him for being a sexual assaulter and apparently he's done this to other women there's this the whistleblowers uh at I can't remember the title of the article that they show like on the closing montage but you know there's a there's a bunch of whistle women who who blow the whistle on this doctor and get him get him out the paint. Um, I don't know. It just felt a little bit shoehorned, a little unnecessary. And I didn't like this last but not least one that I'll stick to here. They gave Jordan an ex from college who shows back up, who online is very funny, but I'm not like I know him as Terry Silver from Power. But he shows back up. He's somebody that Jordan struggled with because I guess the sex the sex was so good that every time that they were together, like she just got dumb. She couldn't focus on school. But it turns out he's like a private like he runs a company that invests in prisons. So they have to break up. But I just it just I didn't like him. I didn't like them together. And I know they wanted to give Jordan some love. She needs love, especially since the whole Harper thing never worked out, which we're going to get to. And. I just, I didn't like that storyline. I felt like it was unnecessary, didn't add much to the story. If he wasn't there, we would have all been just fine. Nobody was like, we need to give Jordan somebody else because she seemed still heavily invested in this friend group. Now, I do wish and hope that Jordan does find love if that's what she's looking for at some point. I just didn't like how it got shoehorned into the series. Um, so yeah, this is, and this cuts to, I guess, one of my other points which is that I think the series probably could have been six episodes instead of eight. 
Now, look, if they wanted to give me 15, I'd take it. As much as much content as they want to give, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to love it. But if we're talking about like a tight script, uh, storylines that are very like succinct and to the point and are telling a, fa- a fabulous story, a wonderful story, they probably only needed six episodes to do this. They could have cut out all kinds of stuff that would not have changed the outcome of this story because the big storylines, which are Harper and Robin and their fa- the marriage that's falling apart, um lance and his dealing with with lj quentin and shelby like there's a bunch of stuff they had to work with that would not have had to be sacrificed if they cut out a bunch of the fat is all i'm saying so we're gonna take a quick break here and when we come back we're gonna talk about a few final points that i have about the best man the final chapters because i loved it so much and some things that that I thought about the series overall and the most controversial, the biggest conversation point, the Harper and Robin storyline. So stay tuned here on Dear Culture. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues all from the black perspective. Ready for real talk and black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Grio mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. All right, we're back here on Dear Culture, and we're talking the best man, the final chapters, the series that updated us on the lives of Harper and Lance and Merch and Q and Jordan and Robin and Shelby and their families and everything in between, right? It gave us an update on their lives. I love the series, and there's a I just talked about the, the, the storylines that I did not think were necessary, but hey, they're there, and I'm glad they exist because I love these people, and I want to see more of it. Be that as it may, I don't think we're getting any more right um it's called the final chapters when you watch it it says season one but i get the impression from interviews and things that i've done that this is it but let's say that by some miracle of financing and whatever that we were going to get additional seasons or additional chapters right um mostly like i said earlier i just want to see quentin and shelby and i don't ever want to see robin again harper and robin get a divorce I am perfectly fine if the friend group gets gets reduced down by one and we never see Robin again except in FaceTimes to Harper for the kid. Because this leads to the big storyline, the thing that most people I know were talking about when it came to this to the to the series. Harper and Robin, they go through marriage counseling, but it ends up not working because Harper is truly a selfish individual. He really is. He can't kind of get past himself and it's always been that way. Like as much as I, I find that I probably like Harper the least. Um, but I, I haven't really worked my worked out my feelings on that one. But either way, he and Robin get a divorce. In the divorce proceedings, when they're about to sign off on everything, Robin drops the bombshell that she's taking Mia, their daughter, to Ghana. So there was a trip that was taken over the summer where Robin went to Ghana to work at, uh, to work with a farmer's co-op of sorts. And she fell in love with it there. And she decided she wants to go live there permanently. And she wants to take their daughter. She springs this on Harper last second. Harper is obviously upset and mad. Uh, He eventually files for custody for Mia. It caused this huge blow up on Lance. Like Lance is being, his jersey's being retired at the stadium. 
they have this big thing for him there and nobody makes it but Harper because everybody gets into this huge argument about Harper's decision to file for custody for Mia. Robin shows up at Quentin and Shelby's house and they get to this huge argument. Harper checks Candace, tells March, you know, t- tells her to stay out of the It's a whole thing. So nobody comes. Again, I don't like Robin. I don't think she's a bad person. I just don't I didn't like her over the course of the series, right? I don't I can as a parent, I can understand wanting, you know, she's like, I'm trying to go do something for me and I'm taking my kid with us. And that created all these arguments online about people like, well, should she be able to do that? Like how what kind of the nerve that she has to take that to to separate that child from from a father. And I agree. Like I just it was it's one thing to say I'm moving to Philly or I'm moving to D.C. a couple hours away. train, But like you're moving to a different continent. It's not as easy as just copping that plane ticket and going like you're moving to a completely different culture, continent and all these other things that requires so much more work. He's probably not going to see his daughter, but a couple times a year. And he he points that out. And that's why he's so adamant against this and files for custody. Now, what happens eventually is he doesn't want to fight with her anymore. And I don't know if he realized the error of his own ways, but he's like, look, she's going to she can go with you. We'll figure it out. I still didn't like that. I, I, I really did not like that. I'm leaving. The, I'm skipping the country to go move my child, our child to some other place to build my life there away from you here. Um, I guess it works out, but I didn't I didn't like that. Nobody I, I was I was on the side where I didn't like that. I saw somebody being somebody mentioned like it's just a 10 hour flight. Like that's eh, a lot. And it's an expensive flight. And it's a flight that, you know, like, again, it requires, it's not just as easy as hopping on a plane and going there. But anyway, so that's the, that's the big storyline. That's the one that came crashing down. But I guess they work it out because the series ends two years later when Harper is giving a talk about his Pulitzer Prize winning novel, Pieces of Us. Over the course of the, over the series, they keep talking about Harper who really wants to be respected as a writer. Like his whole thing is I want more. I want to be seen more importantly than I am because I'm writing these books that are, I guess could be considered fluff. You know, like I guess he's writing a bunch of urban lit, like bumper G series. Like he has a series that's, that's doing this, but he wants to be taken seriously as a writer and as a thinker and as a creative. So his goal is to write this book that's going to do that. And he does right now. Here's the thing. This might be jacked up on my part. I don't believe it. I don't believe Harper has it in him. I there's nothing about Harper that makes me believe that he's writing the definitive, some definitive, all-encompassing Pulitzer Prize winning work. That's just a hater in me. Maybe it's just a little shade. I don't know. Um, I want to read this book. I need to see. I need some pages. I need somebody to drop some pages. It's like a Reconstruction era love, like romance novel love story called Pieces of Us. Where I don't know, man. I just I'm surprised, but whatever. I feel like you also didn't have to give him the man a Pulitzer in order for him to still have written this definitive work that was important. But Pulitzer kind of puts it in this, wow, this man literally wrote the definitive work on something in my mind. That's how I interpreted it. Uh, two more quick things. I, I do not care about the Jordan Harper romance anymore. I cared about it in the first film. I somewhat cared about it in the second one at this point. I don't care at all. Like, I just don't feel like Jordan and Harper, like, fit together anymore. Like, I really don't. Like, they kept trying to make that a thing. Shelby kept throwing Harper in there. Like, because well, Harper, they even had another situation where they kissed, but it didn't go any further than that. You know, like, they let the old, they, that old thing caught them, but it ended up not resulting in anything. 
And I'm glad because I don't need them. Like, I actually, I thought Lance and Jordan seemed to care more about each other. Like, the, the conversations they happened seemed so much more genuine and authentic and real. It was so interesting. Like, you know, and, and Lance seems to have found love from from somewhere else, and that's great. But I'm just saying, I don't really care about Jordan and Jordan and um and Harper. I don't I don't want to see that again. Last but not least, this is my ask to Malcolm Lee and anybody else who's involved in this. Can a brother get the unfinished business movie? Can y'all go ahead and make that? You know, like let's let can we get that in theaters? Like I would love to see. Let's keep the franchise going. We're gonna spend take my money. Here you go. Take if I had a dollar to put on the camera right now, I would put it up. Just take my money. Like I would love to see the unfinished business movie, all the '90s nostalgia, because that's my era. And everybody I know who cares this much about the characters to sit and watch eight hours more about what they're going through in their lives would absolutely go see that movie. So, those are just some thoughts, opinions, feelings that I had about the best man of final chapters that I absolutely loved. Um, I'm sad that it's over, but I'm glad that I can watch it again and again. I've seen it twice at this point the whole way through. I will watch it again because I care. I genuinely care that much. So, you know, thanks for checking this out. This is hopefully you enjoy the best man of final chapters as much as I did. And perhaps I got some points that maybe you agree with or disagree with whatever, however you feel, feel free to share that in the comments anywhere you want to, um, but yeah, the best man of final chapters. I love it. I love it. And I hope you did too. And if not, let's argue about it. I'm ready to argue anytime, any place, as Janet Jackson so eloquently put it on that song. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for sleepwalking. Thanks for checking us out here. This podcast is an original podcast of the Grill Black Podcast Network. Dear Culture is produced by Sasha Armstrong, edited by Jeffrey Trudeau. And our director of podcast is Regina Griffin. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can check us out on the app. You can check us out on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you like what you hear, give us a give us a rating. Give us a couple stars. Not a couple. Give us all the stars. Whatever the system is, give us all the stars there. You know what I'm saying? If you like what you hear, help a brother out. Help us keep Dear Culture chugging along into the future. My name is Panama Jackson. This is Dear Culture. Have a black one. Don't forget, you can listen to the Griot's Writing Black podcast hosted by me, Maisha Kai. This isn't your typical writing podcast. We interview any and everybody that has anything to do with writing, from comics to poets to authors to journalists to politicians and more. Remember, that's Writing Black every Sunday right here on the Griot's Black Podcast Network. Download the Griot's app to listen to Writing Black wherever you are. <laughs>